a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. And the problem that God has with that is that he didn't command it or institute it. He, he, he only wants images that he commands and institutes to be made. And when he makes himself, when, it, when the scripture says that Jesus is the very image of God, then he has made an image of himself for us, Jesus. And if we were to not have pictures of Jesus, then we would be breaking the second commandment. But now all this rests upon this moment and that you must do the right thing in order to reap the benefits of this. If you're going to be forgiven, if you're going to be atoned for, if you're going to get the imputed righteousness of God, you must then do this. And and this is what's so terrible about what we call decision theology is that it, it takes everything away of the gospel and puts it all back on the law. I mean, this is a stop-the-press sort of thing to see God, you know? Wow! That's amazing! Stop the song! Tell us about that! That's great! Hey, we're back, your praise song crunching jerks at your service. Crunch some more praise songs. Typical Fort Wayne guys. (laughs) With a sense of humor thrown in. (laughs) Are you somehow implying that Fort Wayne grads don't normally have a sense of humor? Oh, man, that was funny. Let the the listener understand. I don't understand. (laughs) Good thing you're not listening. (laughs) I already have to correct something that you said before we started the show. Morning Has Broken was popularized by Cat Muhammad Stevens. It was first published in 1913. (laughs) Oh, you're letting the cat out of the bag of all the wonders that we're doing today. The Cat Stevens out of the bag. (laughs) Oh, we need some more puns in this world. After this, Pastor Pastor Wolfman is going to put up his new church sign. Composing. If I'm on a roll, I'll be composing church signs through the afternoon (laughs) and bumper stickers. Um, today's edition of Table Talk Radio features your voicemail at 1-800-385-SOLA. Uh, also, some praise song crunching <laughs> among the songs. Okay, who wrote it then? Uh, hold on now. I'm doing uh, all my in-depth research well, here. Well, the, the, the song opened. popularized by uh, Cat First Stevens. published in 1931 by English author Eleanor Fargion. Yeah, morning, Set to a traditional Gaelic broken. tune. Known as Bunison. Shares his tune with 19th century Christmas carol, Child in the Manger. Da, 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 Do you like the rim shots? The, the dusting? Yeah, thank you. And then after after that, we're going to be playing a little uh, Witch Ladder. So, a uh, full lineup, and we need to get underway first with some buzzwords. So, All right. Uh, Pastor Wolfner, do you have a buzzword there? I do. My buzzword for you is crucifix. Ah, hey, crucifix. Is that a new one? I think it is. Hey! <laughs> a new buzzword. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Crucifix is, a, uh, is normally a little statue or picture of Jesus on the cross. Crucifix. That's what it is. And, it's and uh, it causes much, much uh, consternation by some. Because they say that is too Catholic. I don't know why the crucifix is associated with the Catholic Church. Oh, to get that marketing. <laughs> uh, the, the, and then the traditional Lutheran thing is they say, this. Is, when I say traditional, I mean like the last 50 years. Uh-huh. 
which is what how we establish tradition in the Lutheran Church, and that is <laughs> it's as old as your grandma. And the and the traditional Lutheran response to the crucifix is we have an empty cross because it, it represents the um, the uh, the resurrection, right? You've heard that before. Probably someone has heard that before. Mm-hmm. Now, the only problem with that is that Jesus' cross was empty before he was resurrected. <laughs> oh, man. So the thieves on the cross, crucified on either side of our Lord, also had empty crosses, and they stayed in their tombs. So the empty cross is a sort of strange symbol. It's a bit of a stretch for the resurrection. If you wanted that, you would, we would have an empty tomb. Really, the reason that people like the empty cross better than the crucifix is just because it's nicer. Because mm-hmm. the crucifix is a gruesome sight to behold, but it is a true sight. So Jesus is the crucified one. It is in that horrendous, um, <clears throat> what well, in that horrendous uh, agony on the cross that he dies for our sins. Now other people will say that we, Jesus didn't stay on the cross, so we shouldn't have a picture of him standing on the cross. But the same logic would then apply. Remember this to the manger. Jesus didn't stay in a manger, therefore we shouldn't have little nativity scenes with Jesus in the manger. But of course, when we see Jesus as a baby, uh, we know he didn't stay a baby. And when we see Jesus on the cross, we know he didn't stay on the cross. So it's a helpful sort of thing. We can uh, never talk about that without me thinking of Talladega Nights, <laughs> where, where Will Ferrell prays to baby Jesus. Little baby Jesus. Pray to whatever Jesus you want to pray to. I'm going to pray to baby Jesus. Uh, now, have you ever noticed how you know people are making the sign of the cross, having crucifixes around, this kind of thing? People say, oh, well, that's too Catholic. But you never hear anyone complain, well, that's just too Protestant, or that's just too uh, you know, American... Uh, religion or something like that. So you you, know, yeah. you get someone who wants to sing like "God Bless America" in the service. Like, oh, I'm sorry, that's just too uh, too anti-Catholic. <laughs> yeah. And by Catholic, Catholic I was not small a bad C word. By there. the way, we yeah. are Catholic. Uh, you know, like you say, small C Catholic. It's an important thing to uh, to recognize. Now, what is the other thing we want to say about the crucifix? And that is, you know, oh, I I know what I was thinking. I want to do a thing where you have just a triptych. So you have a crucifix. And then, um, and then Jesus in the tomb, or in the, or, or no, 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 no. This is what I want to do. Your first picture is crucifix. Second picture is Jesus coming out of the grave, and one of those nice old pictures where Jesus has a spear in his hand going through the devil's mouth when he comes out of the grave. One of those guys. And then an ascension, Jesus ascending into heaven. So you have it, but then that gets away from the idea that Jesus didn't stay on the cross, and you're like, yeah, that's what it shows. Look, one, two, three. So the other thing that's, behind that's what I'm after. when you said that the people prefer a empty cross because it's nicer, um, part of this is that when when you see a crucifix, maybe right there on the wall uh, when you're in your church service or something like that, you're reminded of what sin is and what sin does, right? So so when you say it's nicer, it's nicer. I don't have to be confronted with what uh, sin is, right? Uh, when I, when I see Jesus uh, hanging there on the cross, that reminder uh, reminds me that. Um, my sin actually means death, and um, yeah. our, our Lord you, took you. on that death in our place. Thanks be yeah. to God. That's right. My uh, theological buzz word for you is theophany, and uh, theophany means uh, a what a God a God appearance. Um, theo uh, from God. <laughs> right. You're about to say Fanny. Fanny. <laughs> and then you're going to make some joke about how God showed Moses his backside. And that's a theophany. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny stuff. Uh, not really. 
Um, but we have a, a few appearances. What are some appearances of theophanies? Or, I mean, appearances of God, theophanies, not the Old Testament. I mean, oftentimes it's thought that uh, Jacob you know, is wrestling with this angel, that that's a theophany, uh, that that's actually um, uh, uh, the second person of the Trinity, um, pre- pre-incarnate. Yeah, I mean, all the Old Testament appearances of Jesus, which we, we can call Christophanies, they're appearances of Jesus, um, but that's also a Christophany is a theophany because Jesus... Right is God. Sure, sure. Um, and so you, I mean, you have it in the garden. You, uh, you have the God walking with Adam and Eve in the garden. You have God showing up to Moses in the burning bush, uh, leading J- Jacob out of, um, or um, not Jacob. I'm thinking of um, Joshua, Joshua into the promised land. Uh, in the in the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of uh, fire by night. Uh, the appearing on the top of the burning bush. Uh, anytime the angel of the Lord comes along. And I think, in fact, you know this little phrase that we have in the prophets over and over again of um, where it says the word of the Lord came to Abraham or to Isaiah or to whoever, whichever the prophet ah, it is. Interesting. We should understand that that is Jesus coming. I mean, he is the word of the Lord and he shows up. I, I don't think it. we, we understand that kind of Gnostically, like uh, the word of the Lord just kind of plops down in your mind or something. But I think it'd be better to just think of Jesus just walking up to them, telling them what to write, or at least carrying them into heaven so that they can see, you know. Hmm. So Very interesting. Yeah, that's good. All right. Uh, but in, all through Genesis, too. So with Abraham, the three uh, the, the three visitors, one of them is God. And, and all the way through the book of Genesis, you have a ton of theophanies. So. All right. Well, before we run out of time, here's the first voicemail uh, here at 1-800-385-SOLA. Hello, pastors. It's Humphrey again. Sorry I haven't called in in a while. It's been really hard to find a time when nobody's looking. Anyways, I decided I had to call again because I thought of something while reading the Apology to the Augsburg Confession. In Of Love and Fulfilling the Law, 15, it says that we profess that the work of the law must be begun in us and that it must be kept continually more and more. At the same time, we also speak about both spiritual movements and outward good works. Does keeping the law more necessarily mean we sin less? Or can we keep the law more while still never sinning less? I've got another related question for you later, but I've got to make sure that I'm not spotted. I'll talk to you later. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. All right. That sounds suspiciously like the person who narrates the movies of the Higher Things videos. You know what I'm talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. Sure. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, oh, so maybe it's the same guy. So anyway, um, so we have uh, in uh, what do you say? Small called about keeping the law more. And yeah, it was either mean... small called or the apology. Apology. Um, keeping the law more. Now uh, we have about uh, twenty seconds here. I'm I'm gonna go ahead and say no. That that, that is that um, no that we aren't sinning less if we're keeping the law more. And uh, we'll see if uh, you agree and whether we can explain that after this uh, next commercial break. Uh, When we get back from this break on Table Talk Radio, we are going to be uh, crunching your favorite praise songs like, you know, Morning Has Broken. Morning has broken. (laughs) You know, praise songs like that. Uh, Also, maybe some Casting Crowns we'll throw in there. So that's uh, Table Talk Radio. And then in the last segment of the program, we're going to be playing Which Ladder, all that in front of us. On Table Talk Radio, don't go away. Visit our website, tabletalkradio.org. We'll be right back.
You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Never imitated, never duplicated. I got a feeling that tonight's gonna be a good night. That tonight's gonna be a good night. That tonight's gonna be a good, good night. A feeling. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. We are responding to our voicemail. Caller there, um, asking the question Humphrey. if Humphrey, Humphrey right. of the video that play at the Higher Things retreats. That is yet to be confirmed, by the way. You remember that where they make fun of all the other Lutheran guys except for us? They make fun of Fisk <laughs> and they make fun of. Uh, remember that video? They make fun of uh, Lutheran satire. They make fun of issues, etc., and fighting for the faith, and even the God Whispers. They didn't make fun of us. I feel so. No, I mean, I think their thing is even called table talk (laughs) because they don't even know about us. (laughs) But Um, what is there to make fun of? That's what I have to say. I mean, maybe they tried, but like these guys are airtight. (laughs) I'm sure that's we got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) They've got now. You the question was lots of material with the God whispers. (laughs) (laughs) Not so airtight. The uh, the question here that we were talking about is this this line in uh, Augsburg Confession, the Apology of Augsburg Confession, about increase of love, and it says, "Love has begun, the law has begun its work in us and daily increases. We grow and increase in love for God and for our neighbor." The question is then, do we decrease in sin? And I and your answer was no. I think I would answer the same way with this amendment. Can you? Do less sinful things. Yes. Are you any less of a sinner because of that? Ah, no. Hmm. So it could be true that there are that there are um, things that we do in this life. Um, that you, that, for example, you could tell fewer lies, and you should tell fewer lies. Um, you can um, be more generous with your neighbor. And that rather than, you know, more stingy, for just as an example. Or, you know, I mean, some of these, you know, like I might I might overcome my drinking problem or I might, you know, quit sleeping around or something like that. So, I mean, there's right. there's external things that certainly uh, we can free be freed from. Yes. And we can also uh, pray more and uh, go to church more and desire to hear God's word more. And in that way, those things, uh, those good works increase and the corresponding sin decreases. But does it make us any less of a sinner? The answer is no. And in fact, the longer we live in this world with the Lord's law and gospel being handed to us constantly, then the more we realize our great and fantastic need for the Lord's mercy and kindness. And we realize that our sin goes all the way down. Right. So... Um, I, I can't change. I mean, there's nothing in the world that I can do to change the fact that I am born um, a sinner and as born as an enemy of God. I mean, there's nothing yep. that I can do to, to change that fact. It's just uh, it's as long as I have a heart that's pumping blood through my veins and lungs that breathe air, that's going to stand true. Yep. Um, however, what's also going to stand true is the promise of God um, that uh, even though uh, I'm a sinner, um, Christ's blood... Uh, covers me, cleanses me, and I am declared righteous by God. And and so now the the point for the Christian is not to become less of a sinner. The point of the Christian, 
um, is to trust in that promise of God, that if God declared me righteous, then I'm righteous, and I can, you know, use this freedom that, that the Lord has given me to now go serve my neighbor, which might result in, in committing fewer sins. I think that's right. Now, the key word here is the word begun. So when we, the, the Lutheran idea of keeping the law always has that word amended to it. We begin to love, we, 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 mm. but we never finish. We begin to care for our neighbor. We begin to honor father and mother. We begin. We're always beginning and never finishing. So we're always starting but never completing the keeping of the law. That will not happen until the day of the resurrection, when we can finally keep the law. Uh, so, so we, so all our good works are always. Um, well, I think that's the right word. Begun. Yeah, fair enough. Now let's go to the the praise song cruncher. Okay. Um, we have a um, nice little thing on our website here at tabletalkradio.org where you can click on the uh, praise song cruncher. It used to be called the boring title was the criteria for discerning the usefulness of praise songs, um, and because we're so inventive. <laughs> We uh, decided to <laughs> uh, we decided to rename. It I to love the, the Red Link Country. River. We should that should could be a new uh, buzzword thing. Yeah, <laughs> the to, Red and Link. We're going to Red and Link reference. <laughs> I just invented it. it. Uh, I was born in an Arctic cave and raised by a pack of wolves. That's. How I was raised, I didn't drink milk. <laughs> now, if you're listening, I suckled the fangs of venomous snakes. <laughs> now, if you're listening to this uh, at your computer, go ahead, go to tabletalkradio.org right now and click on articles in the top thing immediately there. without it's delay. Praise song cruncher 2.0 because I think this is going to help us. It, you know, I remember when we started with the praise song cruncher, and uh, I didn't, I don't think that I got it right away. Pastor Wolf, I'm I'm sorry if that if if uh, that comes to a surprise uh, to you. But it takes a while for us to kind of figure out what what's the praise song cruncher really getting at? Are these people just being, you know, typical Fort Wayne grads and and not wanting to sing anything that uh, comes after 1750, uh, or what? <laughs> Do we have that shirt yet? <laughs> typical Fort Wayne grad, TFWG. Well, we're working on it. By we're, the way, we're trying to get the clerical collar embedded into the T-shirt. So. <laughs> For those of you who love this inside baseball stuff, Fort Wayne is a there's a town in Indiana which has a seminary of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod full of punks and jerks who care more about doctrine than people. <laughs> is that the way to characterize it? Yeah. Including so. yours two trulies uh, here, graduated from Fort Wayne, as manifest by our bad attitude. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's, so that's what the joke, typical Fort Wayne grad, means. Right. They wear their collars. They walk around with facial hair. <laughs> with an eye on the horizon. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I was just you know, thinking that it helps you kind of learn what the praise song cruncher is getting at oh, when yeah, you can follow really along. So so the, the point here is to to root out mysticism. And mysticism, again, what's our working definition of mysticism? The theological, uh, the religious posture that puts man in movement towards an uh, internal, immediate union with the divine nature. Okay, trans- got it? translation means uh, it means I got God on the inside. All right, God, <laughs> yeah, God on the inside. Um, and and praise songs, whether you have realized it or not, are written to try and um, draw this out. Um, that I want to draw you into an experience with God rather than delivering the gifts of God or the promises of God or the gospel or, or any of these wonderful things that a hymn could do. A praise song is trying to, trying to create an experience so you say, I was close to God during that song. And so to that end, we're going to use this uh, five-question 
diagnostic of is Jesus mentioned, uh, mystical form, uh, talking about truth. That is, does it use subject with uh, sentences with subject verb object, or is it very repetitive? There's mystical content talking about immediacy, so you're you're seeing or feeling or touching God directly. Uh, the use of romance, um, the loss of self, you know, that you've totally been uh, absorbed or consumed in God. Uh, this is the idea of, of loss of self, or that this is, it's internal. God is acting inside of me. Or the song could just be overtly subjective, what I'm doing rather than what God is doing. Last two right. questions. Law or gospel, is it properly distinguished and not mixed up? And then is there any explicit false teaching not already addressed? By the way, you can. if I get struck by lightning, you can handle this whole thing? Yeah, no problem. Don't worry about that. Okay. Did you give that insurance on that yet? I, I just was looking up the odds so the listener can know that my odds uh, and your odds of being struck by lightning in any given year is one in a million. But the odds of being struck in your lifetime is one in 10,000. But my odds are drastically increased because there's a lightning storm <laughs> happening right now. Yeah, I, I wouldn't worry uh, about it. If you, you just hear a big good. boom and then I go silent, <laughs> just carry on. All right. That sounds good. Uh, so here is the uh, the first song by Casting Crowns, Your Love is Extravagant. One in 10,000 is pretty good odds. Hmm. I like this song already. like the song by the way i think those ca- the casting the crown casters are um <laughs> the, ca- the crown are casters. talented by the way uh-huh yeah well, yeah both very. as a songwriters and as song singers <laughs> okay singer songwriters <laughs> uh. <laughs> all right so just as because we have a break coming up here in a minute, just as a, a cursory response, do you detect yes. any uh, mysticism in this song? Yeah, whatsoever? my my, myst- my mysticism radar was going off. Now, a few ha- ha- my question points. is: when the hair on the back of your he- neck kind of rises, how do you know that lightning's getting close or it's a prey song? <laughs> and how do you distinguish between the two? That's right. Uh, it's a uh, <laughs> being struck by a prey song is like a gentle <laughs> lightning strike. What are the, what are the odds of being struck by a prey song? <laughs> I don't know. I was almost got by this one. 
So maybe like one in a hundred. We're trying to protect you from that, dear listener. That's right. Well, we're going to take a commercial break on Tabletalk Radio. Rods. During this break, if you haven't already, go to tabletalkradio.org and print off the Praise Song Cruncher 2.0. And we'll crunch this song we by are your praise crowns. song rubber Your boots. love is extravagant. When we get back from this commercial break, don't go. Table Talk Radio, for those who have tried everything else to get a good night's sleep. Welcome back to Table Talk Radio. All right, Pastor, the first question, is Jesus mentioned in this song, Your Love is Extravagant, by Casting Crowns? Yes, he is. Um, Spread wide the arms of Christ. Spread wide in the arms of Christ is the love that covers sin. Yeah, so. There he is. I think that's not, I think he might even be a reference to the cross. Um, You know. The spread arm wide of spread arms wide of Jesus. Yeah, right. Yeah, I know about those. I see them on the crucifix all the time. <laughs> hey, hey, hey! That's a buzzword use, man. Look at that. Everyone, please note. Every now and again, about every five hundred show. I want to make it subtle. I, I want to let about at least ten shows go by without using the buzzword. Pastor Evan Gagline buzzword. <laughs> I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you four hundred and ninety. Three points. Thank you. Mm. Thank you very much. Oh, you got it. Um, mystical form is this song use uh, sentences with subject, verb, and object, and is there repetition? Yes, there is repetition. Let's see. There's some. Uh, I mean, there's not many words to this song, so you gotta. I mean, so for example, here's the first. I, I can't even quite figure out if this is stanzas or what, but your love is extravagant, your friend, friendship, it's intimate. You, I like the, I feel like moving to the rhythm of your grace, which is a weird line. <laughs> your fragrance is intoxicating in our secret place, which outdoes the previous line for weirdness. <clears throat> your love is extravagant. Then spread wide the arms of Christ is the love that covers sin. No greater love have I ever known. You considered me a friend. Capture my heart again. And then it kind of all falls apart. Like you kind of take those parts, like that stanza and that bridge, and then kind of reassemble them in some sort of... So that's all that you get, and it just gets kind of reordered a couple of times. So it is repetitive. What's the other thing? Does it use sentences? Yeah. Um, Yeah, it does use sentences. There are a couple lines here where... um, uh, you don't exactly know what's happening, especially this weird one, which is that your fragrance is intoxicating in our secret place. I mean, I now, dear friend who likes this song and is listening to us crunching, I would just like to encourage you, please, for a moment to pause and consider these words that you might have even sung to God. 
Your fragrance is intoxicating in our secret place. Just mm. and try to sort out, try to make that sentence mean something. <laughs> and I'm just going to guess that whatever you can, whatever sort of thing you craft of meaning out of that sentence, it's not going to be good or helpful or uh, gospelish. Typical Fort Wayne grad, I'll tell you what. <laughs> oh, man. Woo! Okay. Um, I mean, uh, wasn't, wasn't the, the praise song gurus, weren't they the ones telling us that um, all this stuff is, praise songs are more accessible? So that the problem with hymns is that uh, someone comes in off the street and doesn't know what they mean. Wasn't, yeah. wasn't that something that a criticism of the hymns? Right, back right. In the day? So this would be what the hymn is, Thy Fragrance Ist, ist, doth intoxicate me in our secretive placeth. No, not it's not even the language, but you know, people are going off about, you know, uh, I mean, there's this wonderful ascension hymn um, in in our uh, Lutheran service book about how you know Enoch, our Enoch is translated, you know, so that uh, uh, the the we have Enoch who is uh, assumed into heaven, and and that is now maybe um, at least in the uh, for the for the hymn writer, uh, a picture of Jesus who has ascended into into heaven, um, and there's there's just too much <clears throat> biblical background knowledge that you need uh, in order to understand that. But then you can come to a song that says, "Your fragrance is intoxicating in our secret place," and you're going, "Is that more accessible? I mean, is that sentence yeah, I mean, more understandable than something like?" Enoch being translated into heaven. Yeah, or this one. Spread wide in the arms of Christ is the love that covers sin. I mean, oh, I mean, that, maybe that gets close to having some sort of meaning. No greater love have I ever known. You considered me a friend. You see, now someone like you, and because then you won't, I'll do it, is going to have to write an article which is religion or relationship just to take this idea that Christianity is a relationship head on because, I, yes, please? I just say I agree. You would be more qualified for that article <laughs> because, <laughs> because this it just it dominates everything. If and if if the, the relate if see now if the if the relationship rather than atonement is the governing is the thing that governs your thinking about Jesus, then the big problem is not your sin, but it's our separation. And the solution is not the death of Jesus on the cross, but it is God drawing near. And it is precisely in that drawing near, that near drawing of God, that in that intimacy and that friendship, and and where there's smells and extravagant love and uh, moving to the rhythm of grace, whatever that is, <laughs> That, that, now, That's, this becomes the picture of salvation, and the result is, voila, mysticism. Mwah! The uh, the rhythm of grace, by the way, is a pretty upbeat tempo. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it sounds a lot like maybe a Bob Marley song. <laughs> or a Cat Stevens song, if you yeah. know. <laughs> ah. So that was mystical form, but really we kind of bled this over into mystical content. But I, I wouldn't mind going down the checklist of mystical content all right immediacy yes your your friendship is intimate moving to the rhythm of your grace secret place where fragrance is intoxicating uh capturing my heart all immediate yes okay uh romance yes your love's extravagant uh 
intoxicating secret place fragrance. I, don't, I mean, that is, I mean, I hope it's not too romantic. I also hope, by the way, that moving to the rhythm of your grace is not to be considered romantic. So, but yes, there's romantic imagery here. <laughs> loss of self. Uh, I don't see loss of self in here. Okay, hmm. internal? Yes, all internal. Capture my heart again. The, and the, any mention of a secret place is going to make this internal. <laughs> uh, what, what is the deal with the secrets? I mean, there's a couple songs that talk about a secret place. You know, I mean, it's just a secret. The secret is Gnosticism. This is what the basis of Gnosticism is, is that you, there's secret knowledge, and you have access to it. And the access to the secret knowledge is not through... Um, is not through learning something. The access to the secret knowledge is through the in, enacting the cultic mysteries, which is what the praise song is. It's enacting the cultic mysteries, and so now through this inaction, you 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 att- attain uh, to a secret experience, to a secret knowledge, to access of something special uh, that that the normal person doesn't have. I mean, it's just kind of basic mysticism. And mysticism su- one hundred and one subjective. Yes. Uh, long gospel. I think. <laughs> <sighs> Let's see. Um, there's the mention of the word sin here. Uh, spread wide in the arms of Christ is the love that covers sin. It would be better to say sacrifice that covers sin. Of course, it's God's love that motivates the sacrifice. So there is sin there, and there is sin covered, which is a toning language. But I don't wonder if this if this covering of sin is taken into the romantic uh, imagery of mysticism in this whole song, like Boaz covering Ruth with his robe, etc. Um, but there, so there is a sense of uh, law and gospel. But it's but this the the mysticism there so pervades this thing is that the idea that God considers us to be a sin as an act of His grace, an act of His love is, I guess, the assumption that he shouldn't consider us to be a friend. Why? I, I'm not sure. Maybe, again, it's because of our sin. Uh, so law and gospel is kind of bouncing around, but you never its never, you never quite get there. Never. I mean, there. so this is um, law-ish and gospel-ish. <laughs> and then uh, explicit false teaching, not already addressed. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Let's see. No, there's no false doctrine not yet addressed. All right, so tell us, Pastor, this one crunch? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Tell you what, why don't we listen to the next song? Uh, This is Morning Has Broken, and we'll crunch it on the other side of the break. Here it is. All right. Morning has broken Like the first morning Blackbird has spoken like the first bird. Praise for the singing, praise for the morning, praise for the springing, fresh from the world. From heaven, 
Like the first dew fall on the first grass. Praise for the sweetness of the red garden, sprung in completeness where his feet Right back on Table Talk Radio. Table Talk Radio. Before the hey. break, you uh, heard that song uh, performed here by Cat Stevens, uh, Morning Has Broken. And you might be wondering, why are they crunching this song? Well, it's because we got this email from Luther from uh, Baraboo, Wisconsin, who says, This song, Morning Has Broken, was recently sang in my lo- uh, local Lutheran church. Can you run it through the cruncher? He says, This song appears in the Evangelical Lutheran Worship Hymnal of the ELCA. I was what is this... Um. <clears throat> There, there's another song called Morning Has Broken, M-O-U-R-I-N-E, but that is uh, by a thrash metal band, Sabbath. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's the same thing. <laughs> it's, a common, uh, it's a common misconception, according to Wikipedia, that this song was originally written by Cat Mohammed Stevens, uh, and it is not true. Busted. <laughs> yeah, that's... <laughs> Hold on. How can I? What? Yeah, there it is. I've, I've lost the reference. It was first written by Eleanor Fargeon. Um Now, I, the reason why we say Cat Mohammed Stevens, by the way, is because that is a misnomer. But it is true that Cat Mohammed Stevens did change his name to something. Where is that? I'm going to find that. Like. Apparently, Ish. Lumpy is still on vacation. Yeah. <laughs> Lumpy, we need you back, buddy. <laughs> he, he has a nice voice. Cat Mohammed Stevens happens to be the singer of one of the six songs that qualify for songs you can listen to over and over again without ever stopping. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that list. Yeah, remember that list? <laughs> and the list of Cat Stevens submitted to that uh, little piece is the song, uh, Ooh, Baby, It's a Wild World. Remember that? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> All right, let's get crunching this guy. Uh, okay. So we have, um, you know, Morning is Broken, Like the First Morning, Blackbird Has Spoken, Like the First Bird, Praise for the Singing, Praise for the Morning, Praise for them springing flesh from the word, or fresh from the word. So Yusuf uh, Islam, that's what Cat Stevens' name was. He was born Stephen Dimitri Georgiou, uh, former stage name, Cat Mohammed Stevens. Okay. Now, uh, is Jesus Yusuf. mentioned? Uh, yeah, no, I don't think so. I uh, can't remember that, but uh, let's see. Nope, no Jesus. There's the blackbird. Well, wait, wait, wait. What about the last line of the second stanza? Sprung in completeness, completeness where his feet pass. Is oh, that... yeah, this is the in the garden thing. Praise for the sweetness of the wet garden, sprung in completeness. What does that even mean, I wonder? <laughs> I don't know. I wonder if Cat Muhammad Stevens changed, praised, sang this song after he changed his name to Yusuf. Do you know? I, I don't know if he did that. Uh, okay, hmm. what about the next question, which is <laughs> mystical form? Does it use subject, verb, and object in repetition? 
I think this has sentences. Sweet, the rains do fall. Sunlight. No, that's not a sentence. Like the first do fall on the first grass. That's not sentence. Praise for the sweetness of the wet garden. Praise for this one. Sprung in. I do not think that's a sentence. Okay. Mine is the sunlight. Who's the mine here? That's a sentence. Mine is the morning. Born of the one light Eden saw play. Wow. Born of the one light Eden saw play. I wonder if that's about... Um, I think what, what this song is going to fall victim to on the discernment of mysticism is the um, abstractness, right? Praise with elation. Praise every morning. God's recreation of the new day. we got to call up uh, a couple Fort Wayne professors to figure out what that's talking about. <laughs> um, you, know, you know what I mean? So, so that when something's in the abstract rather than giving concrete, clear things, what it's talking about, then it gives the uh, ability to kind of assign your own thoughts and feelings to those to those things. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a, a, at least a move of mysticism, but not exclusively to mysticism. Look at this. I didn't know this because I was wondering why it was Blackbird, right? There's something about Blackbird. Um, the Blackbird is spoken, you know? Mm-hmm. Look at this. Black. Look at this. There's a song. There's about 20 songs called The Blackbird. Huh. Something about Blackbird. Do you know anything about that? No. This means something. This is code for something. Because hmm. you don't just mention one bird. I mean, if you're going to sing a song about, about the bird, Blue you Jay might say, something. yeah, yeah, or morning bird or, I don't know, <laughs> chicken. You're right. This is incredibly abstract. What's the next thing? Uh, on c- our m- mystical content. Yeah, see, it's just, this is just, uh, this is one of these kind of... um kind of psalms it's apparently a praise of creation you got the garden there you got the first grass you got sweet rains new fall praise praise for the singing praise for the morning praise for them springing fresh from the word so that's a that's um that's a creation sort of metaphor so this is kind of praising god for um for creation there's something with the blackbird though I'm che- don't worry, I'm checking it out. Yeah, you look into it. Uh, law gospel, I can, you know, while you're looking into that, I'll answer this one. No law or gospel. Number five, <laughs> five explicit false teaching. What do you think I of that I don't one? know. I don't think so. I mean, what we're, what we're looking for, you're right. So maybe not explicit false teaching. It's like the fire hydrant thing, you say. You know, yeah. in order, there needs to be actually teaching before there could be false teaching. And this is... Just talking about things in creation. So this, by the way, I, sh- I should back up then to number four. Uh, just to simply talk about creation is law, <laughs> right? So you see, you look out at creation, and you'll see tornadoes, hurricanes, or you'll see something beautiful like the mountains in Oregon or something like that. Yeah. Or, yeah. or I mean, I guess you could see them in Colorado too. <laughs> but 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 that's, you can see it from your front porch. That's not a good thing, though. You know, I mean, people people. People get lost and die in the mountains. <laughs> I mean, so I mean, so the creation itself. I mean, it shows it shows the the creative nature of of God, but uh, that that creation itself for us is bad because we're always trying to protect ourselves against God's creation. I mean, otherwise we wouldn't be building houses, <laughs> right? If creation was a good thing, we'd just be living out in the mountains together. Mm-hmm. But we have to build shelters and with heaters and indoor plumbing because we don't like creation. It's it's, it's against us. It's not for us. 
So this this uh, to just seeing a song praising creation, um, I think is all law. Hmm. What do you think of that? I think you're right. Look at this. I found on uh, I'm looking on Urban Dictionary. You're right, by the way. Did you just play press that button that says that you're I'm me saying you're right? Yeah. Blackbird people uh, who use art as a weapon. There's, got, there's something going on here with Blackbird. I, don't worry. I'm, I'll keep doing it as we go on to the next game. Which okay. Is, this song should be crunched, by the way. You should not sing it in in church. Uh, you, I don't know. Uh, we, the Beatles sang a song, Blackbird. Maybe you want to sing that in church. Sheesh. You know? Cat Muhammad Stevens. Um, I, back in my high school days, I used to listen to Christian music a lot. Sure. And I'm looking at my computer to see if I still have this song. Um, I listen to Third Day a lot, and they have a song yeah. called Blackbird. Really? And I wonder what they're uh, what they're. What, what that's is about. the thing with <laughs> the Blackbird? All right, there's well, something we're totally we'll looking into that. Now I hope you're willing to go with a a, a long segment because we're going to need it because we're next we're going to be going to um, uh, Witch Ladder. Now this is an interview with Norm Macdonald. Everybody loves Norm Macdonald, right? Almost sure. everybody. Uh, he used to, uh, he he was an actor on Saturday Night Live. Did the uh, the what news updates or whatever, and then he had a couple movies and does some stand up. And I mean, maybe not the most well known celebrity in the world, but Norm Macdonald, people know who he is. He he had this ninety minute radio interview, and they talked about all kinds of things. Uh, among them is uh, religion, Christianity, and faith. And uh, here's about a four minute sound bite, five minute sound bite of Norm Macdonald talking about uh, whether uh, there is a God and especially in relation to science and we can stop and go here. Um, but, uh, here's Norm Macdonald. Okay. Now <clears throat> you can't blame me for where this, uh, has gone, <laughs> no, right? <I> can't. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm going to go with it. How would you even begin to prove the existence of a God? Well, I don't know because I don't have the, I don't have the powers of a, of a, Scientists, I certainly couldn't prove the, the existence of uh, the planet Mercury, if that's even a planet anymore. <laughs> I can't, you know, I can, I can prove anything. I'm just taking their word for it. Right. But, and that's what we do. I and mean, when you say in your act, I know it's comedy, yeah. but, you know, Copernicus and Sir Isaac Newton, you know, yeah. they, they made these glaring errors. But at yeah. the time, that was the best evidence available. Or that's. But who is it that always corrects them it's science as a community it's other scientists it's not just somebody going no i got this idea it's it actually i mean maybe that's how it starts but then they actually have to set out and and study it and prove it yes no so it's I, other scientists oh, that correct scientists i no, i'm all for science okay <laughs> because i want them to make things that'll make me live longer and stuff you know <laughs> but i would really like to to i would like eternal life i would like uh some proof, uh, one way or the other, you know, it, you, if prove it, they, God doesn't exist. I don't care what you prove. Like, at least prove one of them. <laughs> but uh, but try to work on the only important thing. Certainly everyone can agree that's the most important thing, whether or not we're alone or, you know, or, or whether or not we're taken care of. You know, certainly, anyone in their right mind would agree that's the most important question to answer. With you mean mind. for an afterlife? Not necessarily for an afterlife, but that would also be good. But uh, to to uh, without without God, there's no purpose. I don't care. I don't care what anyone 
pretends otherwise. All right, let's pause there. What do you think so far, Pastor Wolfman? Yeah, that's, I mean, it is interesting. So, I mean, this is the, the right thing for science to be given over to, that we live longer, and not just that we live longer, but our children live longer, etc. that it, science is devoted now to the fifth commandment and all the things that flow from there. He begins with an institutional understanding of science, which is going to have to lead to then the next question of, was well, there a purpose behind this whole thing? And the answer then is going to be kind of an unquestioned, yeah. There's got to be some sort of. I think that's what that what might come down the road. So, I mean, this is very interesting. Yeah. All right. We'll see if you're right. Here it is. But it's highly, highly irrational to say that there's purpose without God because there simply isn't. Right. But it's not a bad thing to have no purpose. We're born. We die. Hey, it was nice. No, that's fine. That's fine. But that's not what most atheists uh, proclaim. But uh, no, if that were the case, that would be fine as well. But most most atheists proclaim that there 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 can be purpose in life without God. Well, you make your own purpose, right? Or or not, whatever. But you're just here for however long you're here. Yeah, but I don't believe you can make your own purpose any more than I believe. Uh, also, a greater purpose. No, I just think I would. Obviously, a, a, a dog can't make his own purpose. So, or an ant, or a honeybee, you know what I mean? So what should we think we can make our own purpose? It doesn't so, make sense. So again, define purpose. Again, it's this idea that man is, is somehow uh, important. It's this, it's this crazy idea that both highly religious people have and atheists have, that man has, has some some quality to them. You know, atheists have this idea that they can't quite uh, resolve within themselves that man is divine, but they can't say divine <laughs> because that means God. That's great. But they Kapow, Norm! They don't believe they're equal. Man, no, no man, I don't care what they say, no man believes he's equal to an to a animal or an insect. No man. I don't care how if he lives on top of a mountain with snow, he still doesn't believe he's an insect. All right, what, what do you think of that, huh? Yeah, I mean, that's right. This is really, this is an interesting thing. I mean, I'm not sure, of course the guy's not orthodox, but he's just sitting there looking at the world and thinking about it and saying, yeah, this atheist stuff doesn't make sense. They, uh, after all, um, see that God is man. <laughs> I mean, and he's right, 100% right about that. I mean, that's what we talk about with Gnosticism all the time, right? That it's this idea that um, uh, that uh, that man stands over and uh, uh, if there is no God, then what it does is it deifies man and puts the divine nature inside of us. Mm. And he calls him out yeah. uh, that this atheistic rejection of God is just to take us to take our uh, God's uh, place. And we now are the recreators of nature and things like that. So. All right, so we didn't talk about this before we started, but the three ladders uh, here in this game, which ladder, are uh, the ladder of mysticism, which I think we covered pretty well in the last two segments of the show. Right, right. Uh, that is that you, you feel God, and so because you feel God, um, then you're you're justified with God or you're righteous before God. Uh, the other ladder is on the la- that's the ladder of the emotion, by the way. The other ladder is the ladder of the will. That's moralism, that you're good enough before God. 
um, so that I can prove myself that I uh, am, am morally good and, and therefore I am righteous standing before God. And the third one is the ladder of rationalism, the ladder of the mind. And um, by uh, being able to attain a particular knowledge or uh, of a particular um, thought that uh, I have achieved at least the level or the standing uh, before God. So those are the three ladders. And uh, do we have a ladder uh, going on here? I, I see. I'm not sure. It, he was just he was pointing out the kind of um, both mystical and rational ladder of atheism, uh, and that there is some purpose to this sort of thing. I don't know if he actually articulated it enough for us to identify a ladder, but he of uh, uh, the norm's own ladder. Uh, it might have been moralism that there's a purpose, or at least the sense that there is a good and a bad behind there. But it was not explicit enough. But he was pointing out that these ladders. That that even if you're not a um, you don't have to be a Christian to recognize that these things prop up, um, prop up men's thinking. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I th- I think he did a good job of demonstrating why the ladder of rationalism is a ladder, <laughs> right? So so I, I I look around, and I'm gonna think, oh well, there is no God, but I'm better than everything else. Well, why does that follow if there is no creator? If right. If, if if we truly are just a mere result of, of evolution, um, then there's no reason for me to say that I'm better than than the duck. Or yeah. uh, if you might say that well, then, well I'm better because I'm 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 further evolved. Then there should be no wrong with me killing an endangered species. I mean that would be better, right? I mean I, I should go around killing bald eagles because it's going to further advance evolution. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, I think that's going to be all the time we have. Uh, um, sure. So you better think of a points joke pretty soon using the buzzword. I go, oh, yeah. What's the buzzword again? <laughs> oh, no. I just ruined it. I figured you were already yeah, loading up for that. Well, this, uh, this you've been listening to Table Talk Radio. We do want to hear from you. If you want to send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org, or give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA. Thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are better than your odds of being struck by a praise song. <laughs> You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll-free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio. All righty. Uh, if you want to listen to more of that, I'll send it to you. Yeah, that'd be great.